podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Why don't you just join me and pray wherever you are watching. Let's just take a moment to pray and be reminded of that powerful truth that Jesus Christ, our Lord, has indeed risen. That on this day that we can be confident knowing that His resurrection is our resurrection. His resurrection is our resurrection. And I wonder today as we sit and rest in that fact, that truth, that reality that our Lord didn't stay in the grave, that He rose again from the dead. I wonder what needs resurrecting in us this Easter. Maybe it's a dream that's dead, a relationship that has been lost or broken. The resurrection of Jesus is my resurrection. It's my resurrection out of sin. It's my resurrection up out of shame and doubt and unbelief. And so my prayer for you and your family and whoever is watching today, my prayer is that you would not only hear and know about the resurrection as some sort of historical fact, but you would know it personally for your life. The truth and the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And before we go any further, maybe wherever you are, just just close your eyes, just at home, in your bedroom, watching on your phone, watching on the TV, it doesn't matter. Just, Just close your eyes just for one more second. And I want you just to focus right now on the resurrected Christ. Friday has happened. Friday he died. Friday he suffered. The uncertainty of Saturday is now past. The unknowing, the wondering, the questions of Saturday, we've now moved to Sunday. The reality of that truth, the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of hope, the resurrection of purpose, the resurrection of peace, the resurrection of my life hidden in Christ. So we honour you today, Lord. We honour you today. We join with the churches right across our nation and across our globe, God, as one church, as one voice, as one body. And we praise and glorify and honour the resurrected Christ. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for that hope that lives inside of us. That no matter what comes, no matter what happens this week, this next month, this next year, the truth of the resurrection of Christ means that we ultimately win. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's such good news. I have to say, uh, you know, Easter is my favourite day on the Christian calendar. I love Christmas and I love Good Friday, but there's something about Easter Sunday that just rises up within my spirit. It's victory, it's hope, it's new life, and it's such a good thing to do that. So, well, why don't you get comfortable? If you haven't got a cup of tea, you can grab grab a cuppa or a coffee before we start today. I want to say thank you for joining us wherever you are joining us from. Um, if, you're, if you're joining us for the first time and you're not part of our church community, love to just to hear from where you're watching from. Perhaps you could just comment on the comments below YouTube or wherever we're watching and just comment below and let us know where you're watching. But I do want to thank you for giving me the honour today of speaking into your homes and your families. I don't take it lightly that you've tuned in and giving up some of your time to hear from me share from the Bible today, but I just wanted to thank you for the honour of doing that today. Well, 
I don't know about you, but I can't ever remember of an Easter quite being like this one. I can't say I ever remember speaking on any, I've done some Easter Sunday messages before, but I can't say that I've ever spoke one directly into a camera rather than to an actual crowd. This is the first time that I can remember, certainly in my time, where, where the church has never been, where the church hasn't been able to gather in person together and celebrate Jesus. Um, but the good news is this, the message of Jesus hasn't changed. The way we've gathered, the way we're gathering right now has changed. There's so much change around us. But the timeless truth of Jesus, the power of that truth has not changed. In fact, for me, for me anyway, um, it feels even more significant that in this time of uncertainty, with this global shakeup, with this pandemic, that the message of Jesus is more important than ever before. And so, but also it's a reminder that, um, that the resurrection of Christ is a reminder that God ultimately has the final say. No matter what you turn on on the news, no matter what the newspapers are saying, no matter what your Facebook news feed says, God has the final say. The resurrection of Christ reminds us that, that, that Sunday is always coming after Friday, that Sunday is always there and it's coming. And I just believe, and I want to say this boldly and declare this to matter wherever you are listening from, <clears throat> I believe that this Easter, something spiritual is shifting across our globe, across our nation this Easter. I really believe with this pandemic, with this global crisis that's happening, that this Easter, there's going to be a shift spiritually across our globe. I really believe that. And so I honestly believe you're going to see some things shift <clears throat> across the world. But before I get into today's message, those of you that normally come to Thrive Church normally know that I have a dad joke or two up my sleeve. And so today is no different. And I figured, look, I have to share a dad joke because if it's a really bad one, I'm not going to hear any groans. I won't know whether you think it's good or not. So I'm just going to share a dad joke with you. And this is a joke for all the married couples out there who are spending more time than normal together, all right? This is a joke just for you guys. Okay, so it was Grandpa Jones' 100th birthday and he was still in perfect health. At his birthday party, he was asked, how did he manage to live so long and stay so fit? So this is the way he explained it. He said, I put my long life down to spending so much time outdoors, Wouldn't that be nice to have right now if we could be outdoors more than often? But I've been in the open air day after day, rain or shine, for the last 75 years. And so they asked him, how do you manage to keep up such a rigorous fitness regime, they asked. Well, it's simple, he said. He said, when I married my wife 75 years ago, we both made a solemn pledge. Um, We agreed that whenever we had a fight, whoever was proved wrong would go outside and take a long walk. Give me a virtual thumbs up. If that joke was any good, just put it in the comments, all right? Or maybe a thumbs down if you thought that was a groan factor. Anyway, it's good. But seriously, today as we share from God's Word on this Resurrection Sunday, as I considered what to share this Easter with you, um, I kept thinking and going back to a passage of Scripture in the Bible where the followers of Jesus were in a state of fear and anxiety um, of fear. And um, in, in actual fact, we'll go to the text in a second, but the disciples were actually in this passage I'm about to share, were actually in a self-imposed lockdown. They were actually locked away. And I just thought in this time of lockdown, I know that's a term that we're kind of using and maybe not using in this time. I guess it's a kind of a lockdown. I wanted to share a passage from, 
from the Bible where there was an actual lockdown um, that we can get encouragement from this Easter. So wherever you are at home, grab out your Bible, grab out your tablets and turn with me to John chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. From verse 19 is where we pick up the story. And we're going to be reading from verse 19 through to verse 23. It says this, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And it says, They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. What a great message this time of the year. What a great message right now to know that we can have the supernatural peace of God. I'm going to say more about that later on. And then it says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to look at this passage of Scripture because this is a really fascinating account because this account in John 20 is literally hours, hours after the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that very first Sunday morning. And there are already rumours starting to circulate through Jerusalem. There were rumours getting out there that perhaps that Jesus Christ had indeed risen from the dead, that he actually that people had gone to the tomb and they'd found an empty tomb, that there was no body. So these rumours are getting out there. And in fact, the, the ladies who visited that tomb early on Sunday morning were the first there. They'd already gone back to the disciples and given this account that, look, Jesus has risen. We've met him. The body's not there. But the Bible says that none of the disciples actually believed it. In fact, Jesus' own followers said that they thought the news from the women was nonsense. So even the most strident believers didn't believe the message. And so so these, these disciples of Jesus are in lockdown. They're locked behind closed doors because the same leaders who crucified Jesus on the cross The fear was that they would do the same to them as they had done to their Messiah, unto their Lord. Because what had happened was that once the the, the guards, the Roman guards had found the empty tomb, they didn't know how to explain it. They're like, well, we can't let this message that, that Jesus actually reasoned from the dead get out there. So they came up with this story. They concocted this story that maybe the disciples stole the body and hid him away. And so the, the Jewish leaders went and bribed the Roman guards to, to tell their version of events. And they bought their testimony and fabricated this story. And now the Roman guards and the Jewish Sanhedrin were out to make arrests of anybody who disagreed with their story, anybody who had a different account to what they wanted to get out there. And so here are these um, followers of Jesus now in lockdown behind closed doors in a city right now that was rampant with fear. In fact, it was a very dangerous time to even say that you were a follower of Jesus right now. Otherwise, you could well suffer the same consequences that just happened to Jesus. And it's interesting to me that the fact that it was locked for fear of the Jews, the fact that they were in lockdown mode tells me they'd gone into self-preservation and self-protection. And it's interesting because that's what fear does. That's what, when fear gets on the loose, what it does, it causes people to go into self-lockdown, self-preservation, self-protection. That's what fear does. It causes people to go into self-survival mode to do whatever it takes to feel safe and secure. It's, it's a human response. In fact, that's why we're seeing right now around our nation, around the globe, panic buying and stockpiling, all these stupid things that are going on right now. People are doing whatever it takes to feel safe and secure. And you know, these disciples are now locked away afraid, not only afraid, but discouraged. Think about it for a second. Their way of life, everything they had known for the last three years had changed. Three years living with their Savior, three years of living with their Messiah, 
listening to his words, following him and learning, learning about him, all of a sudden he's gone. And now they're in a place of fear and discouragement. And I just, as I thought about that, I wonder today if any of you watching can relate to that story. Not that you're in lockdown because of the Jewish Sanhedrin or because of a fear of any one person, but perhaps if you're just honest today, you feel a little bit fearful. You're feeling a little bit anxious. Maybe you're fearful over what you can do and can't do right now. You're worried if you go out and do that, will I get in trouble for that? Or maybe you're fearful right now that your children's education progress might be you know, held back because at the moment you're homeschooling. Maybe you feel a bit afraid for your financial security. Maybe you're afraid of just feeling even getting sick yourself. Maybe fear has got in, into your heart. And right now, if you're honest with yourself, you say, yeah, right now I feel a little bit anxious, a little bit afraid. And I love this story because in this passage, Jesus shows up in, in the midst of a group of people who are feeling afraid. And I love that because God steps into fear. God comes into the place where people feel afraid and anxious. He, he doesn't say, well, yeah, sort your fear out first and then I come. No, he steps right into it. He steps right into the chaos, right into the confusion and right into the panic. And I love it, verse 19, it says that suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Suddenly Jesus appeared. All of a sudden, unexpected, out of the blue, Jesus just shows up through walls, through locked doors. I don't know how that happens. I don't think they knew how it happened. No one really figured out how all of a sudden Jesus turned up. But see, the resurrected Jesus uh, has no limits. The resurrected Jesus has all power and authority. He, there is no limitation. And now, right now, He's been in their midst. And, and you know, as I thought about that, I wondered today if there's anybody else that would have the same experience. That right now, suddenly, suddenly in this pandemic, crazy, panic-filled time, Right now, Jesus has suddenly shown up in your world. He's shown up perhaps through an iPhone screen. He's shown up right now through the fact that you're watching this screen. Maybe he's shown up through a Christian you met in some sort of social setting, or maybe you were scrolling through your newsfeed or or just going through YouTube. And here you are finding yourself watching a sermon online with some dude you've never met talking about Jesus. And somehow he's shown up in your lounge room and you're like, what on earth is going on? How on earth has Jesus shown up? Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in your life, through what's going on right now, you're actually giving thought to the fact that maybe there's a God and maybe there's more. And maybe Jesus is more than what Christians have been banging on about for years. Maybe there's some truth in what they've been saying. And I love it because even though that says that in this, that they are, sorry, let me say this, that even though Jesus had warned them that he was going to come, he, he, had pre, he had preordained it. He had said, I'm going to show up, guys. I'm going to rise again three days later. I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rise from the dead. He'd given them that truth and that promise, but none of them were expecting him to turn up. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had the doors locked. None of them were expecting. The Bible says that the doors were locked. And when I say locked, I mean locked. Now, I know in this day of modern security and alarm systems and everything, you're like, how locked could it have been? But see, doors in those Middle Eastern times, just to give you an explanation, they were usually locked with this heavy bolt. They were very heavy, very solid, and they were locked with a solid bolt from the inside. And so pretty much there was nobody getting in. There's nobody, no way anyone could get through that door. You couldn't get, you couldn't barge that door down. It was, I mean, locked. When I say locked, I mean locked. In fact, that door would have been difficult, if not impossible to get through. No ordinary person was getting in. No ordinary person was getting in. But how many of you know that Jesus is no ordinary person? 
Jesus is no ordinary person. See, Jesus can go places where nobody else can go. Jesus can get to in your life today. He can go where nobody else can go in your life. He can go where no counsellor can go. He can go where no therapist can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no other person in your life is able to go. He can reach you and reach into you at any time. And that's his message for you today. He wants to go into the places of your life that nobody else sees. Maybe the places that you have kept locked up from everybody else, places of pain, memories that have gone through in your life. And Jesus says, I can turn up in the midst of that anytime. And I'm here to bring blessing and hope and life into your world. And so as we think about this story today, not only does Jesus turn up, not only does he just rock up in their midst, he actually gives them three significant promises in this text. And so today I want to look at one of those promises and perhaps in the weeks ahead, um, we might turn this into a bit of a series, this Easter lockdown series. And um, today I'll look at one promise and in the weeks ahead, I might, we might talk about the other promises that Jesus gave. But today I want to actually talk about the most, first most important promise that Jesus turns up and gives those disciples, which can be our promise this Easter in Jesus' name. So the first thing Jesus does when he rocks up to the disciples, I need you to see in the Bible, it's this promise of peace. He says, peace be with you. You see, the arrival of Jesus means the arrival of peace. When Jesus shows up, peace shows up because peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. And as I thought about that, you know, the world defines peace as the absence of something. In other words, peace is the absence of worry. Peace is the absence of fear. Peace is the absence of conflict. But in the kingdom of God, peace is the presence of someone. It's the presence of Jesus. Now, uh, even though the Bible, I'm a bit of a Greek Hebrew nut. Some of you that know my teaching know that. Um, Even though uh, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, Jesus didn't turn up and speak Greek to the disciples. In fact, he, he would have either spoken Hebrew or Aramaic, which is like a version of Hebrew. But when he spoke, when he turned up and said, peace be with you, he would have said these words. He would have said, shalom aleichum. Do you like the way I said that? Even that little, that little tongue roll in there. But he would have said, shalom aleichum. Now, anyone who's been to Israel uh, with me on a Holy Land tour or, um, or met Jewish people would know that that phrase shalom is quite a common word. It's still used across Israel today. But shalom is the word he uses here. Now, it's a very fascinating word. It's actually a word loaded. It's rich with meaning. It's rich with meaning. In fact, there actually isn't an English word that can accurately encapsulate the fullness and the power contained in the word shalom. So shalom, peace, the peace of God means just more than calmness and tranquility. It actually means far more than that. Shalom is actually multidimensional. Uh, it actually means peace physically, physiologically, spiritually, emotionally. It's holistic. It's the peace of God to every area of your life. It actually conveys the idea of wholeness and completeness. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, because when Jesus turns up and says, peace be with you, he is talking to a group of disciples that feel broken and feel lost. I'm going to come back and say more about that. So when Jesus turns up and says, peace be with you, he's not just saying, hey, you know, you know no more worries, no more fears. He's saying, I'm here to bring restoration. I'm here to bring completeness. I'm here to bring wholeness to your life, the kind of wholeness that only God can bring into someone's life. 
And so now what you have to understand about Shalom, if I can just get a little bit technical this morning, whenever you read Shalom, particularly from the Old Testament on, Shalom always was used in reference to relationship with God. And when we get to the New Testament, Shalom is revealed as the reconciliation of all things to God through Christ. So it's not just, hey, I want to make you feel better. It's the reconciliation of people, of humanity unto God himself. That's very, very important because if you're listening to me for the first time or you're watching, you cannot experience the peace of God until you first experience peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God until you make peace with God. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because to receive peace is to receive Jesus. You can't earn it. You don't strive for it. It's a free gift. It's not a state of mind. It's not, it's not, not a case of meditation. All of those things are good. No, no. To get peace with God comes through a free gift through what Jesus Christ done. Now, I want you to see what Jesus does next in this passage. Look at with me to verse 20. It's very significant. So he actually says, peace be with you twice. But sandwiched in between those two statements, he does something. He says something, he does something, and then he says something. Now, I want you to see what he does in verse 20. It says, after he said this, after he said, peace be with you, he says, uh, no, sorry, he showed them his hands and his side. He says, peace be with you. And then he showed them. In other words, he points them to the scars in his hand and the wound on his side. In other words, he points them to what he has just done on the cross because they can't actually receive the peace of God yet because they don't know the basis for which that peace comes. That's why Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, watch this, talking about Jesus, it's a messianic prophecy. It says, um, this is by the way, hundreds and hundreds of years before the arrival of Christ, right? This is what Isaiah prophesied. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. In other words, the punishment that Christ endured on the cross, the suffering of Christ, the nails, the crucifixion, the Good Friday account is actually what has established peace between us and God. And I want to say to you today, wherever you're watching from, particularly if you're looking for peace today and you're like, I'm being looking for peace. I just want to, I want to feel at rest. I want to say to you, peace only comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. It comes from who Jesus is and what he has done. And that's why in this account, Jesus shows them something because he has to get them to understand where peace actually comes from. Now, it's very important to note in this passage that the disciples didn't actually recognize Jesus until he showed them his scars. They actually don't recognize Christ until he shows them. It's very interesting. You see that in a number of accounts in the resurrection account of God, that the, the resurrection of Jesus, when he shows up and talks to people, there are numerous accounts where, where they're engaging with the resurrected Christ, but they don't actually recognize him because it's not until you get a revelation of who Jesus really is that you'll understand his message. It's not actually until you actually recognize today who Jesus Christ really is, can you truly have the shalom of God, the peace of God. And peace with God always leads to peace of God. Interesting, huh? And that's why Jesus says twice, 
peace be with you. That's why he says it twice. The first piece was for the conscience. The second piece was for the heart. The first had to do with their position before God. The second time he says, peace be with you, has to do with their position, their condition of heart in this world. The first was the peace with God. The second was the peace of God. And today I want to encourage you, wherever you are, you can actually have the peace of God in your life. But it starts with making peace today. I know that's a strong message. I know that can be confronting to think, wow, I have to make peace with God in my life. Well, the Bible says that our sin put, put a put a block between you and I. It was our sin that made us enemies of God. And so Jesus came and paid a price for your sin and my sin so that we might become friends with God again. And it's what on that basis that peace is established. Now, I love what it says next. It says that after they received that peace, it says they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed. There was supernatural joy. See, once you recognise who Jesus is and once you truly get a revelation of what He has done, there'll be a joy that overflows in your life. The kind of joy that the world can't steal, the kind of joy that's not based on anything happening around you or happening to you. And see, so Paul says, bring, uh, actually unpacks this idea in chapter 14 of um, Romans. He says this, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not a matter of what the world thinks is important. No, he says, no, the, the, the kingdom of God is not that. He says, the kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But I need you to understand that he actually says something that's important that you understand the order of it. He says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's in that order. It's when I get right standing with God, when my conscience is clear, when I know I'm right with God, when I've got that relationship with right with God, that brings a supernatural peace into my life. And on that basis that I can have joy. But it starts with right standing with God. You know, we live in a world today where everybody's just chasing happiness. Just happiness, the happiness quest. I watch some, embarrassingly, some reality TV shows. And I'm not going to mention which ones. Some of you know which ones I watch. But everybody on these shows all say uh, lines along to the effect of, um, I just want to be happy. I'm searching, searching for happiness. If I just meet the right one, I'll be happy. If I, just, um, if I can just build my dream house and renovate my house, I'll, then I'll be happy. If I could just have more money, then I'll be happy. If I could just have the perfect kids, then I'll be happy. If, 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 if. And the, and the problem with doing that is that you are connecting your happiness to a circumstance. And what Jesus offers you is something far better than happiness. He's offering you joy. Joy that's not dependent on circumstance. You know, I um, travel a little bit to the third world. I travel to places like Sri Lanka and India. And I have to tell you, um, I always leave those countries feeling incredibly convicted, incredibly challenged because I go into some of the poorest villages in the world where, where people have nothing. They have nothing. They don't have the things that we have in the West. But I'm always struck by the level of faith that I see and the amount of joy. It's like, what have you got to be joyful about? But see, they understand people when you have nothing and when you get Christ, you actually have everything. And so when I come away from meeting people like that, I realize it challenges me to think, am I actually valuing what's really important or am I valuing something that could go in a second? And so God wants to give you that kind of joy, that kind of peace this Easter, but it starts with making peace with God. Because in this story, from what I can see, it says that they were filled with joy but nothing around them changed. The circumstances hadn't changed. 
They were still trying to make arrests around them. There was still risk to them. There was still fear in the city. And I want to say to you today, I can't promise you that all of the external things in your life will change. I can't promise you a date when this crisis will end. I can't promise you that, um, that, that the economic, your economic situation will get better anytime soon. I can't promise you any of those things. But what I can promise you is supernatural joy that's found in God in Jesus' name. And as I finish this morning, I want to just um, point out something else about this passage that I think is so beautiful um, in this story um, that Jesus does here. There's something actually quite profound here that I, I, want to, I want you to see as we close today. And that is in verse 19, it says, I want to go back to verse 19, because it says that, that not only does Jesus show them his hands, it says that he showed them his side. It's, that's interesting to me because the Gospel of Luke, when you read Luke's account of the same story, it says that Jesus showed the disciples his hands and his feet. So we know that through the crucifixion account that Jesus was crucified through His hands and through His feet. But in John's account, we also know that there was a spear that was placed into the side of Jesus. I got thinking about that thought. Why the variation between Luke's account and John's account? I think there's something very significant going on. I believe the Apostle John had a very specific reason for pointing out the side. It's not that he was um, bringing down to less of importance that Jesus was crucified through the feet. No, no, no. He wants to reference something important to you and I because in, earlier in chapter 19, it was John who picked up on the fact that after Jesus had given up his spirit, after he died on the cross, to, to, to make sure and to see whether Jesus had died. The Bible says in John 19 that one of the Roman soldiers came up to Jesus with a spear and pierced his side and there was a flow of blood and water. It was John that made specific reference to that account. And I believe the reason John points out the side, the wound in his side, was because he understood that when Jesus was pierced through the side, it gave us a direct entry to his heart that the wound in his side created a pathway that you would see directly to the heart of God because it was John who had the revelation of the heart of God for all people. The Bible says it was John who would, who would often recline against Jesus. It was John who, had, who understood more than any other apostle, I believe, the heart of God for people. Because you see, the heart is the seat of affections. It's where true love flows from. It's when you love someone or something from the heart that it means the most. And so I believe that John points out the wound on the side of Jesus because he wants you to understand, he wants me to understand that today, wherever you are, that the suffering of Christ, that the suffering of Christ, that the wounds of Christ, were that you would see the heart of God for all humanity. And that when you would see Jesus suffering on the cross, when you would see the wounds of Jesus, and the disgrace of Jesus and all that He went through, that you would see the heart of God for you, for you, for all people. And see, so when Jesus turns up to the disciples on that night and shows them His hands and shows them the wound in His side, He's saying to the disciples, the peace that I have for you flows right from my heart towards you. My heart towards you on this night is not condemnation, it's not shame. It's not anything but love 
and acceptance. So you think about how the disciples must have been feeling. Guilty, ashamed. Jesus could have easily turned up on that night and said, shame be upon you. Why? That might sound tough. That might sound harsh. But can I remind you that none of the disciples were there at his worst moment. He could have easily turned up and said, hey guys, where were you two days earlier when I was going through my most difficult moment? Because in Matthew's Gospel, it says that all deserted him. All deserted him. None were there at his worst moment. Peter even denied him three times. And Peter is in this group of disciples. Imagine how they felt, guilty, ashamed, distant. And Jesus turns up and says, hey, 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 peace be with you. Peace be with you. I'm restoring you. I'm bringing completeness to you. I'm not here to bring shame to you. I'm not here to bring guilt to you. I'm not here to bring condemnation to you. I'm here to restore relationship with you. And you know what today? Maybe you're asking yourself that question. Maybe that's the same question you're asking yourself today. Where was I with God three months ago? Where was I with God two weeks ago? Where was I with God two days ago? Why would God want to show up in my life now? I've been living the first 25 years of my life for myself. Why, why would God want to turn up now? Don't you know how I've lived? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know all the times I've blown it? And I want to say to you today, God does know, but His message for you has not changed. Peace be with you. I'm here to restore relationship with you. I want to give you my shalom. I want to give you my peace, my wholeness, my my restoration, my resurrection power, my purpose, my hope. And so this morning, this Easter, that's my prayer for you this Easter, that you would know the hope of Jesus, that you would know the shalom of Christ, that you would know the supernatural peace in your heart, that you would have peace with God and the peace of God. And just for a moment as we finish, I want to speak to anybody directly today who's tuned in for the first time, or maybe you've been watching online with us the last few weeks. And today you're ready to receive Jesus. Today you're ready to open your heart up to the shalom of God, the peace of God. You're ready to open up your heart and say, yeah, I want a relationship with this God that you're talking about. And if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me right where you are. If you just close your eyes, wherever you're watching, and you just repeat this prayer after me in your lounge rooms, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. If you pray this prayer with faith, I assure you, you can experience the supernatural peace of God. Let's repeat this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I give you my whole heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive you now by faith as my Lord and my Saviour. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. Help me to follow you. From this day on, I want to follow you. I believe and declare that I am forgiven, that I am clean, that I am accepted, and that I am your child. In your name, I pray. Amen. And this morning, if you're watching and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you, would you just comment below on this feed if you're doing that live or just make a comment below. Maybe you do a hands up emoji or visit our website, www.heretothrive.com.au and get in contact with us. We'd love to help you and get you started on this journey with Christ. But if you prayed this prayer this Easter, everything has changed. 
everything has changed. You can now experience the shalom of God in Jesus' name. And just as I close, I wanna pray to anybody else out there who's watching. You're already a believer. You already have the hope of Jesus in your life, but right now you're feeling a little anxious. You're feeling a little unsure. I want us just to quickly pray together that you would also experience the peace of God. That you can actually experience the peace of God. And the Bible says it transcends all understanding. That you can have His peace that you don't have to understand. And so let's right now, we just pray, Father, we thank You, God, for Your peace. We thank You this Easter that we can experience the shalom of God, the supernatural peace of God. And so, Father, right now, we fix our thoughts on You. We fix our focus on You. We fix our eyes on You. We fix our attention on You. We fix our eyes on and our mind on whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right. Jesus, You're all of those things. And so we just focus and fix our minds on You today. We thank You this Resurrection Sunday for the hope that lives within us. And right now I just declare over any of you today who have felt depressed, felt defeated, felt discouraged, I prophesy, I declare that this is your Resurrection Sunday. That from this day onward, you are going to rise up out of that to new hope and new life and new peace in Jesus' Name. God bless you, Thrive. God bless you for watching. Have an amazing Easter. Go love on someone today. Go enjoy the rest of today. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.